All right, this is the 13th episode of On That Note. I am here with T Nan, first name Tanner, and he has the distinction of being our, the very first EDM artist on the channel. But uh, I wanted to kind of dive right in to talking about the most recent track that you released called All In uh, with Avestra, who is someone you frequently collaborate with. Um, what I wanted to start with is, is the, the process of making EDM music is obviously different from the process of making uh, music in a more like, um, like rock genre. Um, where do you start with, with that song specifically? Like what came first? Was it a chord progression, a melody, a lyric, the drums? What was it? So funny thing, this is probably the first song I've ever had where I started um, with a, a section of the song that didn't end up making the final track. Interesting. Uh, so it was a melody. It was a melody and then the bass line you hear mm -hmm. on, a, on a different synth patch. Um, and I had it for like a 16 bar bar loop and then I cut it out and started working on the drums film that and kind of went from there trying to see what I could come up with. But normally I try to start with a bass line. Always, okay. always. I don't know. I think a lot of the music I, I listen to and I'm influenced by, the first thing I notice is the bass. And I think playing kind of cello for so long kind of pushed me to listen to you know what's going on at the low end because a lot of that's even if it's not the groove of the song you know it's groove oriented you, you play to the drums but then I would say the second most important thing is kind of the baseline you follow that also mm -hmm. at least for me listening so I almost always start there but this track for some reason I had the melody a top line first bass drums and then backwards basically so it's a little different for me got it and that's that's interesting that it ended up with the part that it started the part that didn't ultimately <laughs> yeah. make a cut um speaking of that baseline at the intro um because the you play that intro chord progression twice before the, the verse officially kind of starts yeah um the first time around it hangs on that a flat or that yeah that a flat for two bars and the second time around it jumps a flat to e flat right mm -hmm. um why did you have it static for the first time and then not static the second time Variation basically. Okay. Um, I I knew I wanted. I didn't want a basic four bar loop for the whole track. Obviously, you don't want three minutes of the same mm -hmm. four, exact four chord progression. So think of like little ways to variate it. You know, adding leading tones. I did that a couple times in the song a little bit, um, and then just varying the chord progression in the intro, which carries over, I believe, into the the rest of the song. It does, yeah. Um, just to kind of spice it up a bit, I guess, so it feels a little less repetitive. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and one thing too that I'm always curious about with um, with EDM artists too is you you have all of the sounds in the world available to you. Um, like you can pick, you can make your bass tone sound, I mean like a billion different things. Yeah. And, and rock musicians or hip hop musicians can to some extent change their tones pretty drastically. But how do you go about deciding what you want something to sound like when it could sound like anything? Anything, yeah. I think, I think a lot of people think because you have that, it's easier. Because you can no, do it seems way harder. Exactly, because I now have to limit what I what I should be doing. You know, every every individual sound has to have a specific characteristic. Um, whereas, like you know, if you're in a band, you know kind of where the guitar is going to sit in the mm -hmm. mix, bass, drums, etc. Um, so, for this one, I was actually influenced by like a Malik Berry, which I don't know if you know who that is. It's mm -hmm. kind of like a little bit Caribbean Afrobeat kind of style. I heard that in the drums. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, and I also like reggae. 
that's kind of where I came up with the idea of the bass line. I, I love listening to like The Green is one of my favorite reggae bands. Um, and it's, there's not a lot of high end energy. It's just basically like the mm -hmm. sub, but you get a little bit of, you know, sound that leaks up. Um, so I wanted to kind of replicate that, but obviously with synths, which was kind of hard. So uh, I think I used uh, a, a sampler bass from Contact, so it was a, a real bass, mm -hmm. uh, and then layered that with two two other sounds to kind of create what you hear, which is I think it, I think it came out pretty cool. It's like a, it's like a it's fat, yeah, um, but it's also not in your face at the same time, and I like, but it's melodic, mm -hmm. so. I don't know, I kind of like how that came out, but yeah, it's so hard. Originally, it sounded way different, and Julian, the guy that worked on the song with me, after about three, four days of me working on it, I sent it to him, and he was like, it was a super synthy bass, super high, a lot of high-end energy, yeah. and he was like, this doesn't work, like, you know, it doesn't sound that good, and, you know, I was like, all right, you're right, you're right, so, and we had to pull it back, basically, but, you know, that's part of the problem. There's so many things you can do and just because, you know, it sounds good at the moment to me there, mm -hmm. you know, I have 50,000 options I can do, but you have to pick the one that sounds best. Yeah. I wasn't able to do that alone. He was able to kind of corral me to like, hey, let's, you know, pull it back, mellow it back, keep it more, I guess for lack of a better term, acoustic sounding mm -hmm. or more live. So that's how we ended up with, with what it is. Got it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a great tone, um, but yeah, it does it does definitely seem overwhelming to to have all of those things to choose from. Yeah, it, def it seems much more um, much more difficult than just like plugging a bass into an amp and, and tweaking tweaking the settings there. Um, but okay, so then it moves into the um, the verse section there. Those kind of Afro Caribbean drums kind of things kind of kick in. Where did you did you just sit down and say I want it to be this way, so I'm going to have that kind of um, that like dotted eighth note, sixteenth kind of vibe on the snare, or how did that come about? For the drums, for me personally, I think that's the one thing I I'm like that's my forte. I think is drums, so I always kind of know the direction I want to go in. Mm -hmm. And so I had, um, I think the kick was the first thing I got down, and I loved how it sounded. Mm -hmm. And so I knew from that where I wanted to go with the snare pattern on top, like you said, the dotted kind of, I don't, even, I don't even know how I would describe it. it. A little bit Latin, what I was thinking is, I was thinking of like Latin music basically. Mm -hmm. um, like it's kind of like the same pattern, mm -hmm. you know. But how could I vary it just a little bit, which it does, you know, like after that little after, after, section. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that was like my mindset with it. But then obviously the hard part was, I didn't have a drum kit. And yeah. I was like, how do I get a snare that kind of sounds real, mm -hmm. um, but also slaps, hits yeah. consistently. I want you to know it's electronic, but think it's real at the same time. So that okay. was kind of like where I was trying to sit at mm -hmm. in the drums. But um, even if I took the drums or the kick and the snare out, uh, a lot of it's actually carried by like some of the hi-hats. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of swing on them mm -hmm. to kind of sound realistic a little bit. You know, some notes are slightly delayed to kind of create like a groove pocket. Mm -hmm. And like, honestly, if I took that out, instead of, I could have left the kick in the snare. If I took that out, the song would sound way different. Yeah. Like that made the groove, which yeah. is ridiculous to me. But yeah, so that was like the Why problem. is that ridiculous to you? I think it's because in the context of the song, what are you focusing on? At, you know, from a listener standpoint, if I listen to the song now, I'm listening to the bass, mm -hmm. the vocals, obviously, mm -hmm. is the main thing, and then some of the drums, you know? Yeah. But never is the focus on the percussive uh, instruments yeah. going on throughout 
but they're creating a whole groove. If you take that out, you'll hear, you know, it sounds a lot more static. Which is why it's so dramatic when you go to the chorus and the drums do come out, yeah. Yeah, so that was that was fun. That's This song is like the complete opposite of what I would ever normally do, right? Mm-hmm. Because normally in electronic music, you build up into the mm-hmm. chorus, which is supposed to be the heaviest part, you know, hard-hitting drums and that. Yeah. Um, and when, when I had the layout for this, I had eight or 16 bars. And when I was working with Julian on it, I, we didn't know what we should do. I was like, you know, like maybe like a four on the floor thing because you know, I do so much house. Yeah. Like, it's natural to me yeah. <laughs> uh, to do something like that. Um, but it didn't work. It didn't sound right with, mm-hmm. with that drum pattern and the bass pattern and how everything was set up. And so I just deleted everything. I just listened to the chords we had and I was like, oh, this is it. Like, yeah. this is all we need. Just this and throw, throw you know, vocals on it down the road and then... Um, I think that's about when I was like, hey, you know, do you have any ideas we could do for the, the guitar? Mm-hmm. You know, like a little eight bar mm-hmm. kind of rhythm section. I don't want anything, I don't want a melody because mm-hmm. that's what the vocals will be yeah. for, but something to kind of, to be going on in the background to kind of keep carrying the like groove and momentum of the song since there were no drums. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was the, f- our, the first time we got Savannah's vocals and you get to that chorus where everything drops out. It was just like, it blew my mind. It was mm-hmm. so cool. Because at least for what I normally deal yeah. and dabble in, that's not something you hear. You don't hear everything drop out in the chorus. Mm-hmm. This time you have to focus on the vocals. That's what's in your face. Yeah. And then the verse, even though it hits harder because you have the drums and the bass coming back, it doesn't feel as emotional or as impactful as the chorus, to me at least. Yeah. So I thought it was, it was, it was cool. It was, it was weird to work like that because I've never done that before. But I like how it came out, obviously. Yeah, no, it, it, it did sound great. Um, and so within that, I'm curious because, I mean, you mentioned one difference of, of when you're producing more instrumental electronic dance stuff. Uh, I mean, not instrumental, but more like less vocal oriented yeah. uh, electronic dance music that you have a different set of priorities. Yeah. Um, but if you could kind of go into more detail because this is a vocal driven song, uh, what kinds of things do you do differently other than maybe the way you, you look at the chorus or, or like that? For me, mm-hmm. it's less about the musicality than it is the technical aspect when, when you're dealing with vocals. Okay. Um, I could take a song without vocals, add vocals on top, and keep the composition the same, but what I would have to change is maybe the volume of things. I'll have mm-hmm. to, you know, maybe cut more of the high end off the kick, I'll have to sidechain certain sounds to other sounds that you normally wouldn't to make room for the vocals. Um, and that's kind of what this was. Uh, I didn't, besides the melody, which um, I actually have a version of it on my phone I can show you later. Without the um, vocals? It has the vocals, but it has it with the melody also. Okay. Because that's how it was originally done before we changed at the end with the vocal jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, at no point in the song was I thinking this is going to have vocals on top of it. I was just producing it how mm-hmm. I wanted to. Um, but I knew there was nothing in the song inherently that that was uh, catchy enough, basically, mm-hmm. to keep your attention. And that's after a week of working on it, basically, I think is when I messaged Savannah. And when we got the vocals, of course, I had to go back a little bit and uh, move parts around to fit in between the pockets of her voice mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe like harmonies mm-hmm. in the chords. I think I changed two or three of the chords, the last two chords before the chorus to fit what she was singing. 
just the tone she was leading up to to kind of feel like it was a build into something. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really have to change or sacrifice anything for, for the vocals. They just fit, yeah. which also doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. So like I said, like this song is an anomaly. Like it doesn't, like nothing about it is something I would ever do again, probably, or even recommend doing <laughs> to anyone who asked because it's not like a good workflow, but mm-hmm. it happened to work. Mm-hmm. You know, the song was full but empty enough where her voice just fit on top for the most part. The structure didn't change. I didn't have to, to cater to, to what she was singing or, um, you know, change sounds or patterns or the structure of anything because of her, which was just luck. Okay, and then speaking, continuing on kind of the vocal idea, do you, is it a situation where you just send it to uh, her and she just picks up whatever it is kind of, or is there, because she comes in with some really interesting rhythms um, that are doing yeah. some strange things, some triplets against those dotted sixteenths that are that are kind of, that um, gives it a nice rub at times. Um, is there a communication of like, of this is what you're going for, or do you kind of just let her run wild with it? In this case, she kind of just ran wild. Because mm-hmm. um, by this point, we already worked on four or five songs together. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. Yeah, so I, we kind of had like a good chemistry. I felt like we're right. basically she could do whatever she wanted, and I knew it was going to come back and be good. Mm-hmm. You no, know, very rarely have, have I had to be like, hey, maybe can we try this or, or do this, or she'll do the same to me. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, it just fits. And the first demo of this was, I think, the exact same as the last version of, okay. of her vocal cut. Wow! Except for um, the last chorus, that was the only part I really had anything to say in uh-huh. um, because what you hear in the last course is when she sings I'm all in mm-hmm. originally we didn't have vocals there or anything that's where the other melody was okay um, and I, I knew I wanted vocals there I remember one day you know I was, it's always in the shower when the best ideas come you know mm-hmm. and I was like what can we do and I was like I want to tie her voice in because it'd be weird to not have any vocals for the last minute because it's like is it a pop song no because it's just a random part with nothing mm-hmm. So I wanted to tie her in somehow, but we didn't have a, a concept or an idea to do it. And I had like, I remember in my head I was able to sing it. And then me and her started talking about the song and I was like, well, I'm not going to sing it for her because she, she can sing and yeah. I can't. And I don't want to embarrass <laughs> myself in front of Savannah. Yeah. So I was just like, I don't, I don't know if I put in a synth note or if I just typed it to her. Like, we'll just do like, I'm all in or all in, something like that. Yeah. And then she sent me what it was, and I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, this fits perfect. Uh, so we were able to put that in there two or three times. But that was like the only vocal feedback I believe I gave for okay. that song. Got it. Sometimes on a couple of the other songs, you know, we've done, maybe we had to like move stuff or change words or, you know, like mm-hmm. different a different note. But for the most part, it's just like, she, for me at least, she like hits it spot on. I'm like, yes, this is it. Nice. So that, that, that must be nice. Um, and then uh, there was one thing I wanted to circle back. The bass line in the verse, um, it's, it's a really interesting way that it pokes through. Um, specifically the, under the, f- the first bar and the, and the third bar, um, where it kind of starts on the end of two. Yeah. Um, that seemed like a really interesting choice from my knowledge of your work for the most part and again because it's basically that's that's you know a beat and a half without any bass yeah Yeah. like i said like it was a lot of the influences from like 
like a like a regular reggaeton vibe with the one drop yeah and you can go i didn't exactly you know like i wasn't emphasizing my two and four mm-hmm. with the drums no, because really, you can't yeah. do that in this kind of music mm-hmm. it would it would throw the vibe off but i knew i could get away with more i guess creativity or, or not sticking to the generic you know you have to have a bass every at least every beat or so yeah to keep it always a constant fat low end mm-hmm. um and I like that because like there's like tension because yeah there like, is yeah when I listen to it you know you hear the downbeat of the initial kick on the one and you're like oh oh no it's not there <laughs> and by the time it comes in it feels like it's pulling yeah but then you get a lot of these bum 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 patterns mm-hmm. in the bass line yeah so it kind of feels like it's speeding back up yeah. and then on the third measure like you said it does the same thing mm-hmm. so it's it's like falling back and then you're getting a lot at once so it's like an ebb and flow kind of mm-hmm. thing that's like I said, like that just happened. Like yeah. this song, like I said, was, I, I could never do it again, <laughs> to be honest. Like well, the way that a lot of it was structured and everything just fit mm-hmm. together was just luck um, for the most part. Um, but yeah, I like the bass pattern originally was different. Mm-hmm. I think I did originally have it hit on uh, the downbeat of one, but it didn't make sense because it just it just felt like there's too much happening then on the downbeat so i was able to kind of go back and be like all right well how can i tweak the bass and the drums and then the kalimba sound like the, yeah. you know that's doing the chords yeah. all to kind of have like a like a weird call and response you know not a literal call and response mm-hmm. uh, melodically but as a, like a rhythm to kind of fill the space of where the other one isn't so that was like a lot of it, it was like a puzzle piece of of that instead of just like loudness or like where do you sit in the mix yeah so i don't know it was a different way i guess of looking at how i would normally do a baseline um to kind of like trick you into thinking oh it's coming in now nope it's not and i think it does make it feel more less electronic i guess yeah Um, yeah i would agree because you wouldn't expect that in electronic Mm -hmm. song you're never going to hear a a chorus or a drop where the bass doesn't hit until halfway through the first measure almost Mm -hmm. yeah you know so that was like a kind of a fun way to surprise the listener yeah subvert expectations and and myself yeah Yeah. the first time i played it i was like oh all right this is good i I experimented and it worked (laughs) yeah yeah that usually doesn't happen um so uh Wrapping up with two questions I like to ask people. Uh, first off, um, you're, I mean, one of one of the most knowledgeable mixing, like sound design, crafting, um, frequency analyzing people that I know, however you want to put it. Yeah. And I'm curious, how did you learn how to do that? Where, What was your music education process like that you were able to make things like this that are that technically minded? I think... I want to point out first, I think part of it is also a problem. Um, like it, it's like a gift and a curse. Like I, I, I it's useful, mm-hmm. but it's so analytical yeah. um, and methodical uh, because you, you're just sitting there looking at frequencies. And I would say you learn the way I learned almost everything I do is just from listening. Mm-hmm listening to music but not you know casual listening you got to listen why is this sound sitting here in the mix or why you know why is there so much stereo information on this bass line when normally you'd want it straight down the middle mm-hmm. why is the kick hit like this it doesn't sound right oh 
well, in the context of the mix, there's always a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so or there's not. Or, yeah, <laughs> and I guess, bad. yeah, and then it, or it's a bad mix, and then, then you stop listening. You don't want that. Um, but yeah, almost all of it is just from is just from listening to music and analyzing it. You know, I'll sit there daily, two, three hours a day, just listening to music. Mm-hmm. I won't start working on a project right, right away in the morning, even if I have an idea, until I've listened to other stuff because I have to like get my ears and you know prepare be like all right this is what a good mix should sound like Interesting. let's get into it um youtube obviously also mm-hmm. you know you'll learn things from there i think i learned how to use pro q2 which is my favorite to keep one out pro q3 which just came out oh where's that pro q money sponsorship yeah, get on that um <laughs> fab filter no but it's it, and it's such a good eq um just like the UI that you can see every frequency, any any resonance that sticks out. So when I first got it, of course I needed I didn't know how it works. So I would mm-hmm. watch videos and be like, this is how you mix a kick and a bass. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a five minute video, I'll watch it. Um, or even, you know, you can learn anything you want on YouTube basically. So mm-hmm. I'll watch like mixing and mastering engineers, um, Passando's place, I think, is is on is on YouTube. Um, he's a guy who's been around for like 20, 30 years doing a lot of big acts. Um, so I'll watch a lot of his videos. He'll go over what he uses, why he does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is done for a reason. And so for me, that's kind of what I look at. You know, if I, if I listen to something, I don't, I'm not just thinking, oh, this sounds cool. My first mindset is, how did they do it? Mm-hmm. How did they make the sound design? And then how did they get it to fit in the mix? How they got it to fit? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the only way you're going to learn is, you know, throwing stuff at a wall, something's gonna stick, mm-hmm. right? So try 50 different things, if one of them's good, keep doing that. Variate a little bit maybe to try other things out, but when, once you have it down, it's down, right? Mm-hmm. So it's so much trial and error. You know, like three or four years ago, if I listened to my, a mix from back then, it would sound horrendous. Mm-hmm. Because that's about when I started really looking into analyzing a song. Like I'll tear a song down mm-hmm. to look at it. If there's a song I want, I'll you know high cut everything above a hundred hertz and just listen to the low end of the song. Mm-hmm. What's the relationship between the kick and the bass line playing? How much is it side chain? Is there a gap between the transient of the kick and when the bass line comes in? You know all those little things mm-hmm. that that kind of matter. So it's it's just a lot of analyzing the sound, uh, and it's not f- that fun. Mm-hmm until you're able to use it mm-hmm. because then you can make something quality and good you know mm-hmm. um but up until that point it's just it's it, it, it almost it's doesn't even feel like you yeah it's it's not i would i would i would never have never probably personally call myself a musician as bad as that sounds interesting for you why not? and your channel no it's not that's uh, the most interesting that's a because interesting i make music but I don't think I'm a musician first. I, I, I compose and mm-hmm. you know, I put down the melodies I want, but I don't always know why. Yeah. Know? I don't know enough of the music theory as to why does this sound good? Yeah. This chord stacking, why does it work? You know, sometimes you'll have like a maybe like a like a one, five, seven, eleven, and I'll be like, it's it's ugly, but it's not, but mm-hmm. why? You know? And that's something I just throw down, but what I kind of shy in is like the nitty gritty work of what like an engineer would be doing like mm-hmm. mixing the song making the song sounds sound polished that's kind of my forte yeah um, absolutely if i didn't have that skill my music wouldn't 
be any better than anyone else's. I don't think that just, you know, sits in a bedroom and throws stuff at like Ableton, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I just ha have had enough time analyzing. I feel like the advantage of knowing how to be so detailed and specific in the mix down and then the mastering process is kind of what kind of gives it like your ears will be like, oh, this sounds really good. Or, you know, it sounds clean, even if it's not the most creative, yeah. you know, maybe all the time. Well, I think, I think a big thing with that is I've noticed talking to producers in general is they have a lot less ego around the technicality of their music yeah. than instrumentalists do because instrumentalists have spent so much time working on their technique um, or the flashy things that they, you know, they've practiced for so long that they want to inject that into music in yeah. some ways. Whereas someone who's producing is just looking at the whole picture a little bit more. Yeah. And it results in the thing you're talking about where maybe something on its own isn't super like the most unique part ever, but within context, it works really well. Exactly. And that's what it is. You know, uh, you could spend five hours working on maybe like the, the main vocal line mm -hmm. or like, you, you know, your main synth and it could sound perfect. But if it doesn't sound perfect in the mix, in the whole track, who cares? You know, it's a puzzle piece. It's, mm -hmm. It literally is a puzzle piece. If I take out one piece and I look at it, it's going to look stupid. I don't know what this is, but I'm looking at it. It's blue. It's nice. It's pretty cool. But if it doesn't fit anywhere, what does it, it doesn't mean anything, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to, you know, put it in there, shape everything else around it, you know, EQ wise or, you know, spectrally or push it to the sides, pan it or, you know, whatever you have to do to blend it in. And then it, then it fits where I guess, as you say, like an instrumentalist, they're only focusing on them mm -hmm. because that's all they have, Yeah, you know, and just because they might be, you know, the best at what they do individually, you know, like you said, how's it going to fit into a, yeah. the whole context? I'm aware of, you know, what needs to fit where and the sacrifices I have to make in the mix. They're just worried about, does my tremolo sound on my, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Guitar patch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you, know, you wouldn't use a guitar patch, you'd have an actual guitar patch. But you get the, or just you get all the, of it. You get the gist of it. I, I would love to hear a segment of you just like trying to like think about what guitar players think about. <laughs> what is the tremolo? Like, as if we're all just like got yeah, tremolo pedals. <laughs> all right, and then to, to wrap it up, what is one thing that you wished you had learned earlier? Or one thing that, like, if you had learned earlier, it would have saved you a lot of time? Oh God, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's why I ask it. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna get a million dollars, so. <laughs> okay. If I could go back seven years now, I think, and know one thing that I don't, didn't know then, I think it would be probably analyzing. I, I think it would have to be because that's my greatest strength now. And that's not something I did ever. Mm -hmm. I just would put stuff there and, and, and be like, yeah, this sounds good. But it didn't, mm -hmm. but it did to my ears because I wasn't comparing it to anything or like, what is good? You know, I guess you can't define it, but there are quality standards. Mm -hmm. um, it would probably be that and being able to, to recognize, I think my greatest strength is knowing when something is good versus knowing when something is bad. I know a lot of other producers who can make good music, but they also make a lot of bad music. Mm -hmm. And so you need to know when something needs to be abandoned or fixed or mm -hmm. changed 
versus not. And for me, that was the biggest thing to change from analyzing. I was able to kind of learn, this is a quality sound or mix, this isn't. I could maybe try to fix it, but maybe not. A lot of people don't know, a lot of people, I don't know if it's an ego thing, but a lot of people don't know their stuff might suck. Mm -hmm. As bad as that sounds, you know what I mean? And everyone makes bad stuff. I make bad stuff all the time. But you need to know when it's good and when it's bad so you know whether to continue working on it or to change it mm -hmm. or to repurpose it into something else. Yeah. Most people don't do that. You know, you stick to an idea that you personally like, but you don't have the, I guess, experience, I would assume is what it is at this point, to kind of be like honest with yourself. Maybe this isn't your best work. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can do better. That's something that I think lacks a lot from at least a lot of artists my level. Mm -hmm. um, there's no like quality control, okay. basically. Uh, but uh, thank you very much for sitting down with me and sharing your knowledge and experience, which is substantial. Um, is there anything you have to talk about coming up? I mean, All In just came out a couple of weeks ago, so definitely go check that song yeah. out. That'll be in the, in the description. Uh, but anything else that you want to let people know about? I have a song, yeah. remix, holy okay. You're going to bleep that? It's okay? It's okay. Uh, it's called holy <laughs> Holy <laughs> How many bleeps will you need? <laughs> this is going to be the best ones you need. Holy remix. <laughs> Um, and then I got a couple of projects uh, with uh, different singers besides Avestra or okay. Savannah. Yes, Avestra is a duo now, so it's just just Savannah. Um, besides her, I'm working. Are you as a, a duo now as Avestra? No, I oh, wish yeah. Savannah. We should hook up permanently. I'm gonna send her this. Okay, Keep well, that in there. Yeah, I, won't. I need to see that. Okay. Um, yeah, and then just commission work, doing some mixing and mastering for for people commissions. Mm -hmm. So. Cool. 2019 should be a good year. I'm hopefully, excited. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Um, Trump is still president, so it can't be that good, but cut that part. You can I'll leave that in there. Okay, leave that. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs>